0: I mean, we're all believers in Jesus. There's believers that I call believing believers. They believe what God has said. They believe the Bible. They believe that it, it's for them right this minute, that if God said it, God promised it, they get to lay hold on it, and it's something God wants to activate in their life. Amen. Then there's what you could call unbelieving believers. <laughs> they do believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They can rarely find their Bible, and they certainly rarely would read their Bible, much less actually lay hold on anything it actually says for them. So they are believers, but they are unbelieving kind of believers. That sounds kind of like a contradiction, largely because it is a contradiction. It's really not uh, the way God designed life to be lived, to be a, a believer that doesn't believe. Now, that's not real deep, but I think it's a place to start. Glory to God. But we're believers around here, not unbelieving types. You found out that God's Word is real. You found out that Jesus is Lord, that that blood sacrifice of Jesus has applied to every single part of your life, spirit, soul, and body. Praise God. And so we are believers that are receivers. Amen. Say it out loud. I'm a believer. And I am a receiver. Receiver. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we've been having a good time, a great time around God's Word these last couple of days, and I want to jump right into some things here this morning um, that really spark off of a phrase that just keeps rolling in my spirit, a statement, really, that one of the great prophets of God in, in Scripture made, he actually said it this way, this is the prophet Elijah when he said, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard something in his spirit that nobody else heard at that moment that he heard it. You remember the story of what had happened? Israel had been led by Ahab, the wicked king, and the even more wicked Jezebel, the Phoenician princess that had brought her demons into Israel from Phoenicia and along with ungodly Baal worship, things began to change in Israel because of their leadership. Now there's all message we could get from that about leadership today and about what it does even in a nation. I'm not going to go down that road, but you could connect the dots and realize that there is a a place of standing for right and righteousness and it really is where you and me as believers have to stand. But in this point, Elijah had come to Ahab some years earlier, three years prior to this statement that I just read to you. He came to Ahab and our introduction to the prophet Elijah. This is the most colorful guy, I think, in the Old Testament. He is absolutely amazing, the prophet Elijah. And he came, and our introduction to Elijah comes when Elijah shows up in Ahab's court. And he announces to him there will be no more rain in the land, until I say so. And then he leaves. That's his opening line. Wasn't a greeting, wasn't a hello, wasn't a you're the king. It's There's no more rain until I say so. And it was really because of the wickedness of Ahab and what he and Jezebel had brought against Israel. Now, it looked like, and really Ahab took that more as Elijah being the problem. That has brought trouble into Israel. But it wasn't Elijah that had brought trouble into Israel. It was Ahab that had brought it and Jezebel. And Israel was just following along. You know, it's real important who you follow. Because it results in things. There are consequences to what we choose to believe. That's why I've locked into things that pastor teaches around here. We found out that faith works. We found out faith is not only faith that there is a God, it's faith that what God has said is alive right now and that we have the responsibility to take it and make it our own. There's some things that we've discovered about living the life and walking the Word that are vital. And there's consequences to living by faith. There's consequences to failing to embrace what God said. Israel was finding out what it was going to look like and for the next three years, they went into drought. Now, uh, Elijah, of course, he, he took off after he had made this announcement. You remember this story, don't you? It's an amazing story. He took off and went to live by a, a creek, a river, small river. And he got fed supernatural food. God was taking care of Elijah and actually feeding him in some of the most unusual ways he used birds yeah. to bring him food not just any bird it's it's clear the kind of bird that he sent he sent ravens dirty birds dirty bird. these are un, these are considered unclean birds now there's a whole message inside of god using dirty birds to bring the prophet of god food these are These are critters that are against what Scripture would have said in the law about what they could do. God could have picked any kind of bird He wanted, but He wasn't going to pick a bird based on the rules of law. He was picking it based on what He had chosen to provide, and I believe it is a picture of grace in action that God found even a dirty bird to bring the prophet. I don't know, it's fun saying that actually to bring the dirty bird, use the dirty bird to bring the prophet food. Now, you don't have to get really excited about that, and certainly God's not expecting you and me to eat food brought by dirty birds. I don't think He's even interested in you eating dirty birds. And so we could really waste a lot of time on that. Well one thing led to another. And the point in time came where the prophet was told by God to go back to Ahab. Three years had passed. And he said, go present yourself to Ahab and make this announcement. The prophets of Baal and the false priests of Baal, we're going to gather with all of Israel on top of Mount Carmel, the false prophets and priests, all of Israel And we're going to call on God. I'll call on my God. They call on their God. And who's ever serving the false God is going to die today. But the God that answers by fire is the true God. The real God. Want to play? You call on your God, I'll call on mine. Somebody's going to die. And we're going to see, see it right now today. Well, they couldn't say no, so they jumped onto this, and they decided they would take take up the challenge. They called on their God. You remember how the story went? They started early in the morning, calling on their God, building an altar, putting a sacrifice on that altar. And it was the challenge that the God who answered by fire is the true God. They started in the morning, nothing happened in the morning. They went on for quite some time, and finally the prophet, you got to appreciate, I love this guy, he really began to mock them over what was not happening. Maybe your God can't hear you. Maybe he's gone on vacation. He actually said, maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Maybe you should get a little louder. Apparently they thought that might work, so they got a little louder. Nothing changed. It went on till late in the day. Nothing was changing. These 450 priests and 400 false prophets, they're all now chanting their demonized chants, cutting their bodies. I mean, that's what devils and demons want. They want people cutting. They want blood spilled. That's amazing, isn't it? Even to this day, these things go on. Amen. Trying to appease and get this demon God to finally respond. Late in the day, though, Elijah started with the building of another altar, put wood on it, put the seven stones to build it, to represent the seven tri- or the twelve tribes, rather, twelve stones. The 12 tribes of Israel put the wood on it, put the sacrifice on it, even poured water on it and in tr- a trench they built. Do right- you ever think about where this water came from? They're on top of the mountain. There's not really a river passing by, but every person in Israel would have carried their personal water up there. That's how they had to travel. And so now all of Israel's involved in what Elijah is doing. They had to give their water to pour the water onto that sacrifice and all around the trench that was dug around this offering. And then Elijah prayed just a very brief prayer. It didn't take a long time. That that Israel would know who is the Lord God in this nation, he called on God to answer. And out of a cloudless sky here came fire right out of the sky. And I love the terminology, it licked up the water. Glory to God. Burned up the sacrifice. Burned the wood. Burned the rocks. And there was nothing but a big black spot on top of Mount Carmel. All of Israel now knew. And so did 450 false priests and 400 prophets. They knew who God was in Israel. It wasn't Baal. It was Almighty God. And now all that was left was to kill all of these prophets and priests. That was the assignment. See, there's a consequence for serving the right God, and there's a consequence for serving the wrong God. They paid a price that day. Now our message of what Jesus has done is that Jesus has paid our price. We get that, but here's here's where I want to get. I want to get to this statement that God spoke inside of Elijah. Once all of this business had been taken care of and Israel had got their focus back where it belonged. God wanted to do something in Israel that He never really wanted to stop. He never really wanted to stop the blessing of God on Israel. But because of their rebellion, they were not embracing what God would bring And it shut it down. They had gone into a time of drought. Now here's the thing that I'm I'm hearing in my own spirit. There's lots of people that are believing things that God has said, but it's as though they themselves are in a time of drought. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying to you and to me, we're coming out of the drought. I believe by faith we can come out of whatever drought. That we ourselves are in personally, in our spirit, in our insides, on the outside, in our households, in our families. It's the time when God is saying on the inside of every one of us, just what He said to Elijah, that the sound is of the abundance of rain. I believe the Holy Spirit's saying something to all of us, that this is a time for a fresh rain of God's blessing to come into our house and into our life. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. But let me read something to you as this as this unfolds. First Kings chapter eighteen. In verse forty one is where it begins, he said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Ahab did go up and eat and drank. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed down onto the ground and he put his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, now follow this, watch what he says. He said, go now and look toward the sea. And so he did. He went and he looked towards the sea. And he had to come back with a report. Look at the report that he came back with. After he had looked to see what the prophet wanted him to see, He said, what? He said, there's nothing. I think he would have been a little timid to bring that kind of report to a man like Elijah. I mean, Elijah had just dealt with these prophets of Baal. And now to have to come back and tell him, well, I went to look for what you wanted me to see, but I didn't see anything. Nothing. Sometimes we are... Find we're in a place where we're hearing something, but we're seeing nothing. That's the place he was in. That's the place Elijah was in. He was hearing it on the inside. You know, we hear the Word, but we don't always immediately see it come to pass. There's something powerful about being so solid in what God has said That we're not moved by what we see, we're moved by what we hear from the Word, but not what we hear that's contrary to it. Here's what God's plan was, He said to the servant, He said, as He came back, and the servant said, there is nothing. So what did He tell him? He said, then go look again. He went and he looked again. We don't know how much time it took for him to get away from where Elijah was and go back to where he could look over the sea. That was the instruction. But go back and look and come back and tell me what you see. He came back a second time. What did you see? There's nothing. Then go back again. He went back again to look across the sea. And came back to Elijah a third time and said, there is nothing. The prophet said then, go again. Four times. The report came back again, there's nothing. Go again. The fifth time, uh, he came back, there was still nothing. Go again. Six times he went and there was nothing. Now, here's what happens, and this is what differentiates a lot of people. A lot of people would have stopped on three. Maybe a lot of people would have stopped on two. Lots of people would have stopped with that first report. I heard the sound of the abundance of rain, but there's nothing. I guess I was wrong. We hear something on the inside, and we hear it first. You hear... The word of the faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. He heard it first. And instead of caving when he didn't see it, he just kept telling the young man, go and look again. He didn't stop on six. He sent him out a seventh time. Reminds me of Israel going around the walls of Jericho. They went around every day for six days. It was an hour's journey to go around a city the size of Jericho, roughly an hour. They did it every day in silence. God had given Joshua a word, go around the city, do it again. Every day they went. Every day they saw nothing. Every day those walls got bigger, I would imagine, in their mind. Every day that city got larger, got more powerful, got more resistant to them, and yet they went around every single day those same walls. And they did it in silence. They didn't complain. And this was a complaining crowd. They were accustomed to complaining. Well, really, their parents were. The complaining murmurers from Egypt had actually all died out in the wilderness. These were the kids, but oftentimes kids do a lot of things that are a lot like mom and dad. Anyway, they're marching around. There's a lot of messages in here, but there's they marched around six days and nothing changed. You can't stop on six. You just can't stop on six. He sent them out around the walls of Jericho the seventh time on the seventh day. And on that day they went around the city seven times. They spent seven hours on the seventh day. Now somewhere in there, we don't know which one it was, was the Sabbath day. They marched around the city even on whatever the day was that was Sabbath. Might have been just one time, could have been seven times, but whatever it was, they went ahead and marched around the city even on the Sabbath, which is another message that I don't need to bring up right now, apparently. Seven times they marched around that city and they didn't see a thing. What this is all about is understanding that there are there's a process to receiving from God that sometimes people cave in before that process actually has been completed. The first part of this process is what feels like invisibility that you cannot see what you know God has said. He heard the sound of the abundance of rain, but it was invisible out there for Elijah and this young man. Joshua had heard a word march around the city, I give you this city, but for days they saw nothing. It looks invisible to the natural eye, But what we hear is designed to create a picture in our spiritual eye. That you see something on the inside that you're not yet seeing on the outside. What you hear paints a picture, if you'll allow it to. This is why it's vital that we meditate God's Word, that we're people that are hearing the kinds of things that build faith, that build a result, that build the promise of God into your head. It's in your heart. You've received the blessing of God on the inside. You know Jesus. Jesus is on the inside. But it's got to get into our head where we are connecting spirit, soul, and body and receiving what God has said belonged to us on the inside. Elijah had heard something. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I believe God wants us to hear the sound of the abundance of blessing, the abundance of healing. Maybe it's the abundance of prosperity coming into your house. Maybe there's a facet of abundance that God is focusing on in your own life right this minute. It's all prosperous. It's all blessing. It's all healing. But sometimes there's specific concepts that God wants to zero in on so you can receive abundance In a specific area. He said, I hear the sound of abundance. Say it out loud. I hear the sound. Of the abundance. And it could be a variety of things. But here we go. Say it out loud again. I hear the sound. Of the abundance of rain. That rain represents the blessing and the outpouring of the power of God. That represents coming out of drought. The drought was come to an end. Sometimes it's not coming out of drought, it's getting drought to come out of you. Sometimes people live in a desert that they've created themselves. A desert within that doesn't really belong. There's no real reason for it, but unless you continue to go to the place to hear and to see the things that God has said, it gets pretty dry on the inside. Anybody ever been dry on the inside? Okay, a few nods, no hands, but that's fine. We've all come to those times when it's been dry on the inside. I believe there's a sound right now. Some of you dry right this minute. And I believe the sound is crystal clear. There is an abundance of rain. We hear it on the inside first. On that seventh time, Elijah said, Go back and look again this is the seventh time there's no doubt in my mind that this this uh, servant was getting concerned although he had been around elijah for years now so it's very likely that though he was concerned he knew there's going to be an outcome here at some point because this is the wild man of the of the kingdom right now man nobody was like elijah calling fire he had just watched fire come out of the sky you know it had just been a short time go back a seventh time and tell me what you see that seventh time he came back with a different report tell me what you saw he said well i saw something but i didn't see much This is the second stage, really, of what we see or what happens when we receive. It moves out of the invisibility stage and it moves into the insignificant stage. I see something, but I really am not seeing much. I see a cloud. It's not a big cloud. It doesn't look like a rain cloud. It's not a thunderstorm. It's not much but I do see a cloud. That's the first cloud maybe they'd seen in these three years, man. Now, all this time that he had been seeing nothing, when he came back with that report of seeing nothing, was he wrong? You know, I'm not setting you up. It, it, it's safe. He was coming back with a report of what he was seeing, and that is what he was told to bring back. Bring back a report of what you see. But here's the reality that Elijah knew that that servant really hadn't, hadn't been required to report. The conditions were changing. The, the cloud came by the change of conditions. The conditions were changing, but you couldn't see it changing. Things are in action, though you can't see it in action. We pray the prayer of faith. We speak the Word of God. And things are changing. They're not changing right before our eyes. Not just yet. But what we know is that conditions are changing. Situations are changing. Our body is changing. Healing has come. It may not feel different right this minute. But the conditions are changing. Now, the servant came back with that report. I know he was happy to bring this report. Well, I see something, but he probably wasn't overly excited. I see something, but I don't see much. A lot of times, man, walking in God, here's how it goes. You see something, you just don't see much. It's not really enough. But you can't discount it. You have to celebrate even the small beginning. Of anything. Just the hint. Lord, here's how we pray sometimes. I know I have. Maybe you have. Lord, just give me a, a sign, please. Anything. Just even a small sign. Just give me a small sign that things are better. Or things are changing. Or something's happening. And when you get that little small sign, the what what in one parable Jesus taught, it was the blade coming up. Seed has been sown. It's the blade comes first. We all know that. I mean, we grew up in Los Angeles. We didn't grow much legal out there that I recall. But uh I do understand the concept that first comes the blade. And when the blade shows up, man, a lot. You knew it was growing. But something is really encouraging about the blade. I can see something. I don't see much. There's no harvest in that blade, but I see there is a harvest that comes because that blade's coming up. We celebrate the small and celebrate even the insignificant. Sometimes the insignificant isn't seen but at a distance, but we're hearing it louder on the inside. The sound is increasing. I'm hearing the sound of the abundance of rain, but I'm hearing it... Like it's closer now than it was just a little bit ago. I want to encourage you right now. There's a sound that the Spirit of God is declaring to us of these days that we're in. We're not in days of drought, even in America, even in the nations of the world. We're not in the time of drought. We are in the time of the sound of the abundance of rain. I believe there's a word that God showed Brother Copeland actually. Sometime back now, he mentioned it a few years ago, actually, that we are in the days, even now, in the days of the rebirth of America. Glory to God. When things were being squeezed so hard, you didn't know which way this was going. Well, Satan would like to tell us it's still being squeezed, and you don't know which way it's going, but we do know. We know it is going in the way of the blessing and the plan that God has had for this land this land started with a miracle and supernatural direction that established this nation and that has never changed and it's not changing now. We walk in the blessing of God as a land. Glory to God. Now you gotta stand for this. You gotta embrace it. We hear the sound, but we see what may not be the full harvest, but we do see the blade. We see the blessing. So anytime we're hearing something from God, you hear the Word preached. You hear a message from God. You hear a promise in your study and in your Bible time. You read something. You hear it on the inside. This is for you. It may begin and it will begin invisible. Anything in faith begins invisibly But it's not non-existent. It's just that you don't see it. But then it moves into that insignificant stage. Don't let the fact that something looks insignificant, let that talk you out of the full harvest promises come. But I'm not seeing enough. It isn't enough change. Well, it's on its way. Things are happening. We don't undermine it. We embrace it. You don't talk it down because it's not everything. You talk it up because it's what God has declared. But something happened with Elijah. And and I'm reviewing the story a little bit. But uh, And I know you've read this. I mean, you're Bible people around here. Started with hearing something. Let me, let me back up to that idea of hearing. I passed up something that I want to interject to you. There's a statement in Hebrews about hearing and about Jesus' hearing. And I want to read it to you from the mirror translation from Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 8. Now in the King James Bible, it talks about this being uh, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And of course, that's not talking about the suffering on the cross. That's talking about the life that he lived. That every day he was dealing with issues and things that was contrary to what he had come to do for mankind. And he dealt with it all through his his life. He didn't learn from the Father and learn how to walk in obedience at the end of his life just to get on the cross. So that's not the suffering he's talking about. He's talking about the the ongoing life that Jesus lived. But listen to how this translator translates it, because there's something about hearing here in understanding what obedience really is all about. Listen to this about Jesus. It says in verse 8, "...acquainted with sonship, he, Jesus, was in the habit of hearing from above." Oh, I love that. That's how he translates obedience. In the habit of hearing from above. And what he heard. Now follow this. What he heard distanced him from what he was suffering. What he heard put a distance between him and the things that were contrary to what was on the inside. And that's monumental information, I think. Because this is exactly how Jesus conquered every single day, even in the face of contrary people, contrary evidence, contrary situations. He heard from above, and what He heard distanced Him from the pressure that had come. What He heard distanced Him from the lies Satan was trying to tell Him. What He heard distanced Him from the threats that came at Him from those around Him. You remember what happened in the first message that He preached. The very first message that Jesus preached. He made people so mad, they wanted to kill him. Now look, I've made some people mad. While I was preaching. But I don't think they wanted to kill me. And I hope that doesn't change here today. What did Jesus do though? He walked right out from the midst of them. They couldn't touch him. That's amazing. But listen to this. It goes on. Verse. Let me start over because I want to read this all together. Acquainted with sonship, he was in the habit of hearing from above. What he heard distanced him from the effect of what he had suffered. Now verse 9. By his perfect hearing, he forever freed mankind to hear what he had heard. Ooh. You got to get that. It's... It's one thing that he heard, and we understand that he would hear. It put a buffer between him and the things that were coming at him. But when his freedom was settled because of faith and grace that God had poured out on mankind, now every person has the right to hear just like Jesus hears. Yeah. Glory to God. And what does it do? It will do the exact same thing. It will put a distance between you and the things that satan's brought for suffering in your life. Yes. God hadn't called us to suffering. He's called us Amen. to faith. Amen. Glory right. to God. Exactly right. Praise, Praise God. the Lord. So f- faith in what Elijah demonstrates to you and me. It takes us from the invisible having heard something God said, to the insignificant. And Satan would love to take that point and talk you out of really standing in what God was saying. It could have gone different on that mountain. He could have seen the small cloud and said, it's not enough. Where's the promise of God? But instead, what did Elijah do the moment that that young man came back with the report that there was a small cloud. It's not enough. I see something, but I don't see much. But he saw all that Elijah needed to hear about. That's it. There's a cloud in the sky. Get ready and run. And he went to Ahab, Elijah did, and said, Get your chariot and get out of here so you don't get stuck in the mud. The rain is coming. All they saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. But he knew that he knew that the conditions have changed. Things are happening. It's time to run. And that's exactly what Ahab did. Now Ahab's going to do just about anything this prophet says. And he did. He got on his chariot and he took off. The Bible says that he went to Jezreel. But the Bible also says that Elijah took off running. And he got there faster than the prophet, or than the king did in the chariot. Seventeen mile run, actually, from the top of Mount Carmel to this town of Jezreel. He ran seventeen miles, beat, beat a horse-drawn chariot. Praise God. And the rains came. While they were, while they were en route, the rains came. They were seeing that the drought was done. The blessing had come. But then the story takes a a strange twist because the Bible says beginning in chapter 19 that Ahab told Jezebel what had happened on top of the mountain and that all the prophets of Baal and all of the priests to that demon God that Jezebel had spent all of the years building up in Israel now had all been destroyed. And wicked Jezebel, she didn't like it. And so listen to what happens beginning in verse 1 of chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. So let the gods, she's not letting go of her gods, so let the gods do to me... And more, if I do not make your life as a life of one of those about this time tomorrow, I'm going to execute you just like you executed them. Now, you know, if she could have done that, she wouldn't have sent a messenger. She would have just had it done right now. You know, the devil's always wanting to tell you the kinds of things that are going to happen to you And if he could do it, he would have done it before Jesus got born onto the inside of your life. If he could have done it, he would have stopped you before you made Jesus Lord of your life. He couldn't stop you then, he can't stop you now. That's good information. That was worth showing up for right there. But now watch this next line. This is one of the most shocking statements in Scripture. And this is something you would never expect to read after what we've just come to understand again about Elijah. Look at this line in verse 3. When he saw that, talking about Elijah, when Elijah saw the message that had been sent, when he saw that, look at this, here it is, he arose. What? He arose and he ran for his life. He had just been on top of the mountain with 850 demonized maniacs chanting to demons for the day and destroyed and defeated all of this, delivered Israel from drought, the rain had come, and now he gets one threat from one woman. 850 men. No problem. One woman. I'm out of here. Ran for his life. Ran for his life. Now look, there's a lot of messages in this. 850 men. I can deal with. One woman. I can't deal with this. There is a message in there which I, I will never preach that message. I mean, not even at a men's meeting. I'm not going to preach it. Because they'll, they'll record it. The word will get out. Life will be over. Then I've got to run for my life. Elijah ran, look at this, ran for his life. He went to Beersheba. Beersheba was not right down the street. He ran days to get to Beersheba. He wasn't done running when he got there. He would run for nearly a hundred miles, leave his servant there, and then took off running again all the way to Mount Horeb, another 150 miles nearly. We're not just looking to hide. We're looking to escape big time. Don't let her ever find me. Fear had hit this man of God. That's shocking, really. It really is. He ran. Ran to Mount Horeb. There's all kinds of meaning behind all of these things. We won't take time to go through it, but it's amazing. He ran to a place. Well, no, I'm not going to go down that road. He ran to the mountain. Next thing you find, you find him hiding in a cave. Not enough to have run. Now he feels like he's failed. He's failed God. He's failed his calling. He's failed everything that he's assigned to do. Here, just days ago, he is standing on the mountain Now he's hiding in the cave. Now I love the title. I'm going to take something that uh, Kathy Duplantis has written. She wrote a great little article sometime back now. How to Behave in a Cave. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great title. And that's the last time I'm going to give her credit. It's mine now. How to behave in a cave. You see, you may have found yourself hiding in a cave, so to speak. Feeling like the failure. Feeling like life is over. Feeling like meaningful success is done. Feeling like you've come to the end of this, that, or the next thing. And you got yourself stuck in a cave. And the devil has been pounding on you to tell you, this is all that you have left ahead of you is life in a cave, so to speak. He was hiding in a cave. But he wasn't done. And God wasn't done with him. And God was not going to leave him in the cave. Because in a moment or at some stage here in the cave, he heard a voice. He heard the sound again. Now it's not the sound of the abundance of rain. Now it's the still but small voice. You see, you've got to realize, sometimes you'll hear things loud. That sound of the abundance of rain, I think that had to sound like something amazing, huge. But this still, small voice, it was still, it was small. Sometimes we get ourselves in a position where we don't hear the voice at all. Elijah had finally gotten quiet. He got away from the wind. He got away from the storm. He got away from the fire. The Scripture says there was a fire. God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the wind. I think we need to meditate on that sometimes and realize that's true for us today today. God's not trying to say something to you with the wind. He's not trying to say something to you with the fire. He's not trying to say something to you when the dishwasher breaks or when the kids go nuts. He's trying to speak to us, though, beyond those events. And he heard, Elijah heard a still small voice. I believe today God's saying something to us. There is a shift taking place we're coming out of drought. We're coming out of the dry. We're coming out of the distance. Like Jesus, acquainted with sonship and fellowship with God, we learn how to hear from above. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to take this moment so that we hear something fresh, whether it's a bold word like the rain or a still small voice, it's that the Spirit of God is not done and blessing has not left you, but that God's blessing is on you, healing is in you, deliverance belongs to you, and the days ahead are bright. Now I want you to stand with me and I want us to lay hold on something by the Holy Spirit. Because there is a shift right now. It's like in in Jesus there is always a transition of one type or another taking place. At every point in our life we're moving from where we are right this moment into things that God has designed for us that right now we're only hearing but not seeing. I want to encourage you in something right now. You're hearing something by the Spirit of God, not just by me. Maybe not just Today. But you've been hearing something about blessing, about income, about outreach, about direction. You're hearing something. And while you hear it, some things look invisible. Some of you see in a blade, we celebrate the insignificant. But what we are not going to do is let Satan take this in a direction where if the invisible hasn't discouraged us, if the insignificant hasn't discouraged us, the intimidation has got you on the run. Well, we're not going on the run by intimidation. We're standing that the drought is over. And that's really at the heart of what the Holy Spirit has told me to say to this audience. That the rain has come. The drought is over. The rain has come. You hear the sound. It's invisible to some, but it's not insignificant. There is a blade. The drought is over. The rain is on. It may just look like a cloud the size of a man's hand, but it is real. And this is that time to take it and run with it like Elijah ran with that report. In the name of Jesus, say it out loud. I'm on the run with a new report that the rain has come, the drought is over, healing is mine, restoration is mine, abundance is mine, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The rain of the Holy Spirit. The rain of the the blessing of God. God. It's on me. me. And in my house. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now I want you to rejoice in the rain. Hallelujah. We rejoice in the rain. We rejoice in the rain. We've got no more sense than our kid has to run out in the rain and enjoy the, the water making a mess in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray right now. There's some people who have been in a drought situation, but it's over now. You're watching on the internet. There's some people. You're right there in your home, right there looking at your computer or your screen or your phone. And there's an anointing that has come to you right now through that screen, really upon you by the Spirit of God. That your drought is over. The rain comes. The blessing is on you. It's not time to run in fear, but it is time to run in the rain. So Father, we receive it all in the name of Jesus. I command blessing upon this house and upon every person listening and hearing this message that this is the point in time. We'll not be intimidated. We'll not be discouraged. We've got our eyes on the prize. We've got our eyes on the victory that's before us. On the declaration to possess what God says belongs to us. And I refuse to let it go. In the name of Jesus. Father, we receive it. Say it again. I do receive the abundance of rain. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, shout again. A praise to God. We do receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Are you glad you came this morning? Did you receive something from the Lord today? You know, one word from God really can change things forever. It shifts something. Something moves in a direction and everything begins to change right before your eyes. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. Well, that's what I'm expecting around here. Yes. Amen. Now look, let me, before I sit down.